0: C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And in honor of Easter, we are going to do a special show today that I think that was a, a really revolutionary or revelatory thing that the Lord gave me. And this is going to be called Easter Twilights, although it can be used all year round. But when God gave me this word, it really resonated in my heart, and I, and I knew it wasn't my idea. Because I felt certain that this was a concept for an Easter message. Now, usually, if that's the case, I get a word or some kind of a message, and it feels really inspired. It just flows. But this time it was very different. It did not flow, I have to tell you. It just wouldn't come. And then when it began to come, it would not organize. And so it came in patches and clumps and strings, and it it felt so disjointed and so nebulous. And I talked at length with my husband, who gave me many, many great ideas. And I talked with friends, and they gave me great thoughts. And I kept hashing it out. And what I was thinking and researching and studying, and then I would rehash it, and it still just sat there in a stack of papers. I mean, it, it was all over the place. And I got to the point that I thought, you know, maybe I should do something different. So I started to question if it was truly inspired, but it just wouldn't go away. And I knew that God had something very special in this word twilight. So I came to find it was much bigger than I had anticipated. And it seems like just a wisp of time. Twilight, it just kind of comes and goes and then it's gone. So why twilight? What could be so important about this seemingly innocuous time? It's just a shadow of night and day, like the bookends. So why would God be calling attention to twilight? Well, firstly, anything created by God is not without significance, without meaning. He doesn't do any thoughtless gestures. So all things are crucial pieces to the whole. And I was amazed at how crucial twilight is and how very complicated it is and what a crucial role it plays and how God uses it. So let me just educate you a little bit on this thing called twilight. First of all, what is the definition of twilight? Well, It's the diffused light from the sky during the early evening or early morning when the sun is just below the horizon and its light is refracted by the earth's atmosphere. Or twilight is dim, diffused illumination, or it's a period or condition of repose, and repose is temporary rest from activity, excitement, or exertion, especially sleep or rest given to sleep. But this condition of repose is followed by growth, glory, or success. It's a state of ambiguity or obscurity, or it's denoting irregularity, like a twilight existence. It's relating to the end of a phase or an era. So, example, the twilight days of the Bush administration. So more simply understood, twilight is winding up or it's winding down. And so through the research of twilight, I discovered that there is so much more going on than most of us realize. And if you were to look at slides of twilight or pictures of twilight... It's very difficult to distinguish if it's sunset or sunrise. They look very, very similar. So the only time you know what twilight you're in is if you have some frame of reference as to what time of day you're in. So twilight in the Bible is considered to start about the third of the sixth hour. This is late afternoon while the sun is moving towards setting. And after the sun sets, there are actually three more twilights that occur. This, this was amazing to me. And the reason I'm expounding on this is because we are all in different twilights throughout our life. We have natural twilights that lead us from evening to morning and back to evening, but we also have spiritual and emotional psychological twilights they are leading us in and out of different phases of our lives and our spiritual growth. So I looked at these three different types of twilight, and I found it because this photographer did this whole article on it, and, and this is what he says. I thought it was very poignant. He says, I see the same thing with portrait photographers. I can't tell you how many times I've been out shooting a lifestyle or engagement session during the sunset, watched all the photographers scramble to get their shots in. And sure enough, as soon as the sun sets, the place clears out. And he says, what most photographers don't understand is that once the sun has disappeared, a new window of opportunity begins. There is still plenty of usable light left. And that's very important for us to realize, that as twilight is ending, even if the sun, even if the light, even if we can't see God, even if that has disappeared, a new window of opportunity begins. So he says, twilight is the period of time in between day and night. It's caused by the refraction and the sun's rays scattering from the atmosphere. So these three different phases of twilight, and it's interesting because now I recognize them in my day. When, we're, when I'm heading towards sunset, I say to my husband, oh, this is nautical twilight or civil twilight. So, so the period of time that leads up to sunset or directly after sunset, these are the most popular times for photographers because the light is beautiful and perfect, and the sunlight's diffused and less harsh. It's a beautiful warm tones, and they're cast across the horizon. But it, what we want to look at is there's something very spiritual about these times of day They have a way of making people stop and take everything in. It's both calming and invigorating. But across the world, at all the sunset-watching parties and photo walks, as soon as the sun hits the horizon, people begin to pack up and head home. Little do they know that twilight is upon them. So the first one is called Civil Twilight, and it is the brightest phase of twilight that occurs from the moment the sun dips below the horizon. And it lasts maybe about 30 minutes. But in Civil Twilight you're still able to see the brightest stars in the sky as well as some of the planets. So it's this wonderful, warm, soft time. And the horizon is clearly visible. And all the objects are clearly defined. And no additional light is needed in most cases. So when you think about if I'm in the f- a twilight phase of my life, if I'm heading into night, the very ending of that, there's still a lot of a usable twilight. There's still a lot of a usable light. And there's lots of opportunities still left. So the next one is called nautical twilight. Here, the details will be harder to make out during this time, but there is still some remaining light on the horizon. And then the last one is astronomical twilight. This is where night is quickly approaching. And we see the beauty of twilight. How kind our Lord is to offer twilight. Imagine if there was no twilight, if we went from all light to all dark instantaneously. How harsh We'd be plunged into darkness or we'd slam into light. You know how it feels when you're asleep and someone comes in and turns the light fully on, how exposing and painful that is? Or imagine doing an activity, driving a car, writing a paper, making dinner, and just like that, it's pitch black. No gradations, no easing out of the day and the night. So we see how crucial twilight is just in a natural sense. Think of how crucial twilight is in a spiritual sense. So understanding twilight a little better, let's look at some of the most famous twilights of history, and that's why I decided to call this one Easter twilights, because we have the Last Supper. This is at twilight, and this is when Jesus faces his betrayer. He washes the disciples' feet, and he is preparing them for ministry, and that twilight is leading him into the dark night of the soul, where he struggles, struggles with the Father, and he asks his friends to stay awake with him during that night time. And this is where he finally comes to terms with God's will for his life and what he needs to do. And so the next twilight, this is after he has said, thy will be done. Twilight comes and he is betrayed by Judas in the early morning. This is around 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. He's arrested, he's tried, and he begins the walk of the way of suffering. So the third of the sixth hour, darkness falls all over the earth, and into the ninth hour and the temple curtain is rent. So this twilight is when a huge thing occurs on the earth. And when he has finally received his last strength, this is in John nineteen thirty, he says it is finished. And with that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit and he was placed in the grave at sundown. And then he is risen. And in Luke 24, 6, the next twilight, he says, he's not here, for he has risen. So what we see is the natural twilight worked for Jesus, not just spiritually. He did a lot of spiritual things in that progression of days to nights. But the twilight in the natural moved him in, into each next phase of his ultimate calling. That's what you want to think about twilight. It's moving into each, my, each phase of my next calling, part of the, my calling. So Jesus moved naturally through twilight into each next step of his process. So night prepared him to face the day, and the day is often the expression of the previous night. So much information and contradiction about the time he died and when he rose. But there is no argument about Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice, and it occurred in twilight. His betrayal, his arrest, his trial, crucifixion, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, even his birth. This thing called twilight is a very special time, and it isn't just 15 minutes long. It's the whole gradation of moving from the day to the night and from the night to the day. This is a time that is more profound and personal than we think. So Jesus conquered sin and death on the cross for us. In the Old Testament, there is always a sacrifice at both twilights. There is a dawn and a dusk. So twilight is a time for sacrifice. And sacrifice offers sustenance. A death for a life. This is what our Lord did. We now have the elements of communion as a result. Sacrifice starts the day. Sacrifice starts the night. Something has to die, even if it's just the night or the day. Always remember that every day starts at night. Every new birth, every new creation starts in the dark. So the night and the day obey twilight. What we realize is that every day starts in the dark. Anything beginning starts in the dark, the deep, the unknown, So twilight moves us in and out of days and seasons and phases. So remember, twilight is indicating the beginning of something, a change or a transition. And now we often don't know if twilight is leading us into a deeper darkness or leading us into a brighter day. Is it the dawn or is it the dusk? But twilight is crucial. You don't want to miss it. So when we think about the new beginnings of our lives start in the dark. And as we're going into that twilight time, and we're going into a time of repose, that's preparing us for a brighter day. And what would that day be? Now for Jesus, some of those days that he went into had great miracles, had great times of of teaching for people. But his last day, that night prior to it, that twilight led him in to one of the most difficult days of his life but we are thankful that he did it. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about Twilight. Join me in the next segment. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and today we are talking about twilight. And how crucial twilight is. And how much more elaborate, how much more critical, and how much depth really is in this little piece of time that we kind of blow through or we want to resist. And so we were talking about twilight in the last segment, and that there's all these very, very important things that happened in twilight in the life of Christ. If we just look at the Easter time of his life, we had the Last Supper was it twilight where he faced his betrayer. He prepared his disciples for ministry. He washed their feet. Then he says, thy will be done the next morning after he has wrestled in that whole dark night of his soul where he wants his friends to stay with him and they, they can't even tarry with him for one hour. And in that morning twilight, he is betrayed by Judas. He's arrested, tried, and he begins the walk of the way of suffering. The sixth hour, darkness falls all over the earth. Ninth hour, the temple curtain is rent. And in this hour, this is when Jesus has received his last drink, that's John nineteen thirty, and he says it is finished. He bows his head, he gives up his spirit, then he was placed in the grave at sundown. And then he rises. So we see there are these very powerful times that what twilight does is moves us in and out of the next phase of our calling. It moves us through. It's a transition time. So what do we know about twilight as it applies to us? Well, it's moving us into a new phase. And it's indicating the end of another phase or an era. It's a time of preparation. Now, it's God's kindness that leads us into change gradually. It's about God's timing, his perfect timing. And we talked about earlier what it would be like if God did not create twilight as he, was, as he was doing this whole process of night to day and day to night. Imagine if just in the blink of an eye, it went from bright light to darkness, complete darkness. Imagine if you were driving, if you were making something, making dinner, if you were writing a paper, and all of a sudden you're plunged into darkness. Or you know what it feels like if if you are sleeping and someone flicks on the lights, you have bright light and you're trying to wake up and how exposing that feels. So we're thankful that when God is moving us through to another transition, where he is ending one era, beginning a new, ending one phase, beginning a new phase, that he works us through that gradually and he gives us indicators to let us know that we're in twilight. So remember that twilight is either winding up or it's winding down. It's going into darkness or it's going into light. It's either going into expansion or contraction. So we recognize it as a time of dim or diffused illumination. It's a state of ambiguity or obscurity. It's a period of condition of repose, which is temporary rest from activity or excitement, but it's following growth, glory, or success. So there is a natural twilight and there is a spiritual twilight. And the natural twilight that I'm going to talk about absolutely needs to be respected. And natural twilight is dealing with the natural man. It's with nature. Because there are natural rhythms that God has established within his creation. There's a time to rise. There's a time to sleep. As well as a time to work, a time to rest. And God knows his creation. It's need for seasons and rest. We can be thankful for these little mini seasons. We see it a 24-hour day. One little 24-hour day is like a season of my life. And we get new beginnings every morning. So we know our day will end. It may feel interminable, but it will end if we let it. He has built in rest and margin and space in this beautiful time of twilight. We have only to take advantage of it. Now, humans need time and rest and space, margin. They need to be able to reflect, to let down. They need to be able to expand and then also to contract. Because, see, we are human beings. We are not human doings. And if we are only expanding, if we are only working, No rest, we become human doings. See, the Sabbath commandment is transgressed more often than any other commandment. Somehow, I don't. We don't think this commandment is very important. However, if you understand the human physiology and psyche, you would find that if we honored this time of rest, we would not struggle so with sin. We would have more resolute strength to battle ourself and the evil evil one, because see, God tells us in Genesis, the second chapter. Verses one through three, he says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. It was good. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So you see, this is a very powerful insight. Now, I will be honest with you. I still have a hard time implementing this insight. God said the work was good. But the rest was holy. It was divine. He even does this with the land. In Leviticus 20, uh, verse, uh, chapter 25, verse 4, we see that in the seventh year, the land is to have a rest and that God will provide the year of rest and the following year with enough harvest to provide for that one year of rest and the subsequent new year needing to plant. Yet, you know, we don't trust the Lord. So we keep working. We keep pushing why rest? Why would this be? Well, this is the law of expansion and contraction. Now, what happens to you when you break a law, even if you don't know about this particular law? Usually something you don't like, right? Well, your natural physiology will obey the law of physics, even if you don't know them. So it makes a lot of sense to learn the laws before something happens that you don't like, right? Well, first, let's talk about expansion and contraction. This is an extremely important and very easy law. Not necessarily easy to implement, but easy to understand. Because see, during the day, I am moving, and this generates heat. I'm expanding. During the night, I am reclining, which is the cool-down, and I'm contracting. Now, any athlete knows the power of a cool-down, as well as the law of expansion and contraction. If I only work on expanding, I will eventually expand so far that there is nothing left of me or I'll explode and destroy the substance of myself. If I only contract, I will then become weaker, atrophy, or implode, and there will be nothing left of me. So either way, if I am not willing to do both, just like the night goes to day and the day goes to night, if I am not willing to stop expanding, if I am not willing to expand and only contract, there will eventually be nothing left of me. So what is the Lord showing us through the cycles of night and day? with twilights? Well, he's giving giving us warm-ups and cool-downs. This is the way he can strengthen us. My muscles come back stronger each time I push them and when I subsequently rest them. We have a terrible time with balance in these two areas. Twilight, in the natural sense, gives us a reminder that it's time to warm up or wind down, or it's a time to cool down and to wind down. If we don't respect the way God has made us, we will not only injure ourselves, but significantly weaken ourselves, both physically, psychologically, intellectually, and spiritually. And the very transition to the next phase of our calling, we will not be able to take the weight of that calling if we are not respecting God's laws. So what if I'm having a really good day and I refuse to end it? Or a bad day and I keep working it? Well, twilight is coming, and I keep pushing through, resisting, resisting, the transition, refusing to accept God's timing that the day is over. As a result, I miss the healing, the restorative time of early evening and the subsequent night, the time to stop, to recline and to rest. Or conversely, I end my day too soon or I don't start my day at all. I don't want to live it. I want to escape. I want to continue in the night. So I need to trust the one who died for me He worked through twilight, moved through it, transitioned, and he has a life that he's given us. Join me again in the next segment, and we will continue to talk about twilight. Thank you again for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about twilight. And where we left off was this idea of natural twilight, because we have natural twilight and spiritual twilight. And the natural twilight talks about the law of expansion and contraction, and that God built into this 24-hour day, this little mini-season that I have, where I get a new beginning every morning, that there is a winding up, there's a winding down. And there's a restorative aspect to it. Because in the daytime, we are expanding. We are creating and generating heat. And in the nighttime, we are reclining and contracting. And if we are not willing to obey these physiological laws, what I can do is injure myself and weaken myself physically, psychologically, intellectually, and spiritually. I am then not able to, to, or I don't have the same resolute strength to battle myself master myself or the evil one. If I am one of those people that just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, working and working, striving, pressing through, blowing through the evening twilight, and I don't want to end my day, I will end up eventually in burnout. If I am the other end of the spectrum, where I'm that person that has a hard time activating, a hard time executing, maybe I've had some some failures, maybe I'm, I've been weakened, maybe I'm afraid, maybe I'm struggling with... The next thing that God is doing for me, maybe I've not had great successes. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I have some physiological or some physical ailments that, that keep me down. And so sometimes I just don't want to start my day. I don't want to activate. Well, what we see with this wonderful twilight period is that the day is temporary and the night is temporary. And God does not want us to be living an interminable day or an interminable night. So the natural twilight is what helps me transition. And it helps me experience different seasons and phases of my life. So we have natural twilight just in the 24-hour day, but we also have natural twilight when it comes to aging, when it comes to our children growing up, when it comes to the beginning or the ending of a new job, when it comes to different things that I need to be learning. So maybe I graduate from high school, I finish college, or different skills that I'm adding. So twilight is is this issue that maybe I'm I'm facing a a life-threatening illness. And I just found out because I had like this inkling that something was wrong. And that was like a, a, a twilight that was leading me into maybe a very big physical battle for my life. So maybe the twilight is that you just found out you're going to have a grandchild. And so that state of ambiguity or repose, that's following the growth or glory that, that the darkness of that birthing, that, that nine-month period of time is then followed with this wonderful daylight of a new life. So natural twilight requires our willingness to go through the grief and loss process. Because many even though things end, even if they are good things, it's still a loss. And if we have to go through the grief and loss process of finally ending something that was very, very difficult. So even if it's the death of a good thing for the better, we still need to grieve the loss of what it was, as well as needing to grieve the loss of a time period, a loved one's passing. There is always twilight before and after. And that helps us with transition if we don't resist it. So one of the things I certainly can, can admit to as I have a very difficult time with twilight, especially dusk, I just blow right through it. I don't like that time of day. The shifting of gears, winding down, ending the day. I like to stay up late because I'm not ready to end my day. And so I'm not sure that if I started ending the day with twilight and using twilight for what it was intended for, I probably would not resist going to bed as I seem to do. So, you know, people don't transition well. If you have children or if you simply have to deal with yourself, like me, you know how hard transition can be. This is why God gave us twilight. It's a gentle reminder to transition. So part of my evening sacrifice is simply winding down. And this is a sacrifice for me. And one of the things that I do is I use natural twilight to help me recognize a time for sacrifice, to notice God, to stop what I'm doing. And I like to use the Jesus prayer, or it's sometimes called the tax collector's prayer, as a way to humble myself unto the Lord and to focus on what he wants for my evening and to recenter and regroup from my day. Now, I'm not not always very successful at it, but as I practice and persevere, it becomes easier. Because it's said, simple perseverance eventually succeeds, like water wearing away a stone. So these are disciplines that are difficult, but they work. So as I walk through the garden of my mind, or I walk around the block, or I'm driving in silence, whatever way I use to transition, I like to say this prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I just say that to myself. And sometimes I repeat it over and over and over again. If I'm driving and I see it's 5 o'clock, 4.30, it's 6 o'clock, and I'm not wanting to wind that day down, I don't think I got enough done. Because I'm one of those, like, energizer bunnies. I mean, I just keep going. And so I take that time to say, okay, God, I need to transition. And so I say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment with this issue of Twilight. Thank again for joining me in this wonderful, beautiful afternoon in Phoenix, Arizona. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about twilight. So we've spent some time talking about the difference between natural twilight and spiritual twilight. And natural twilight is that great way that God wants to transition me out of the day and into the night, or out of the night into the day. And I was talking in the last segment that I certainly struggle with twilight as I struggle with honoring the Sabbath, rest is harder for me. And so when I'm in twilight, I like to use this time as a time to meditate. So I really work with God physically, his physical creation and me as a natural person that I'm with the rhythms of his earth and the way that he created humans to function because he created them to contract as they moved into the, as they move into the night and then as they wake up to expand as they move into the day. And so if I'm always expanding, there'll be nothing left of me. If I'm always contracting, there'll be nothing left of me. So one of the things that I use as a way to meditate in twilight, and I don't this I do this when I'm driving, I do it when I'm walking around the block, if I'm in the grocery store and I know that it is twilight, I just recognize that time. I mentally, spiritually emotionally, psychologically, recognize that time. Now, if physically I can stop, I like to do that as well. But I use this simple prayer just as a way to center myself and to, and to say to God, lead me through this transition so that my day will be honoring to you or my night will be honoring to you. It will either be restorative in the way that you want me restored and the day will produce the fruit that you want produced. And so I say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. So I use that many times by breathing. I breathe in the first part, I exhale the second part. Because it's truly establishing my position with Christ. That he is Lord, the Son, the Most High God. I humble myself and ask for mercy, and I admit I'm a sinner. Now I'll tell you the truth, men have a more difficult time with this. And this isn't due to the fact that they're necessarily more arrogant than women are. We are all very prideful. But it doesn't occur to them to ask for mercy it doesn't occur to them to he- ask for help unceasingly. They're hardwired to depend upon themselves. So this prayer has been prayed for over 1,500 years, and it is seen as the prayer that enables us to pray unceasingly. This is the one of the ways that I can continue, as Paul said, to pray unceasingly. So as, as I move through that natural twilight, I also have to realize that there's a spiritual twilight happening for me. And that spiritual twilight is characterized by the presence of those attributes that define twilight, it's not just happening in the physical, natural realm. So I can't see it with my naked eye, but I only can see it and experience it with my mind's eye. I need to be sensitive to spiritual twilight. What is God now doing in my life, in the lives of others? What's he doing in the world? What am I sensing? Remember, twilight means that things seem obscure, or there seems to be a lack of illumination, or something feels like it's ending or maybe beginning. Maybe I'm in twilight, but I must resist neither of these. Both will take me to God's destiny, whether it's leading me into a night or leading me into a day. God's destiny is always good, not always comfortable, but always good. So always remind yourself that twilight is leading to expansion or contraction. Now, this can be either exceedingly painful or exhilarating, but we need to remind ourselves that not only has, gone, has God gone before us, but he will be with us in the midst of this time. Twilight is preparation. Jesus took full advantage of twilight, and all those different twilights moved him through the process to which God was ultimately calling him to accomplish. In the natural realm, days and nights are time-limited. However, in the spiritual realm, the length of my days and nights are directed by the Lord. Spiritual nights can be years. Spiritual days can be years. And these are, the spiritual nights are usually a time of rest or obscurity, like Moses'. Maybe it's a feeling like I'm being removed from quote-unquote normal life. Maybe in retrospect, you can see the twilight that led you to maybe a sabbatical or retirement from a career. It's important in these times that we truly trust and rest our lives with the Lord. He tells us he has not forgotten us. So if you feel like you've been removed and you're feeling obscure and unseen, know that the Lord has not forgotten you. He knows what he is doing when he allows for something to end, even if it's good. He knows when we need rest and that we may have been resisting. As a result, he requires it now. So maybe your spiritual night is not one of rest or introspection. Maybe it's a dark night of the soul. As Jesus wrestled through the night before his arrest. Maybe you're in a sleepless night with no friends to stay awake or to comfort you and to pray with you. Maybe you're being tested and tried In your faith, to solely depend on God, to press in and say finally with certainty, Not my will, but thy will be done. For some particular circumstance, or simply surrendering yourself for real. Maybe your dark night started with a wonderful event, and you found yourself sinking into darkness. We'll always remember the Lord is with us. We have Psalms 23 that tells us that we are not to fear that when he walks us through the valley of the shadow of death, he never leaves anyone in there. He always walks us all the way out. If he walks us in, he will walk us out. And there will be a transitional twilight, and we will be ready for the full light of the next day. So after such a night, it's time to rise, to walk out of the darkness. Just as Jesus called Lazarus to come forth, he made sure the stone was rolled away. And it says, he actually, he shouted to Lazarus, come forth. So is God calling you to come forth? Is he needing to shout? Just as in the early morning, the signal of twilight with the rooster crowing, how many times have you resisted twilight signaling a new day? How many times has the cock crowed and you've stayed in the tomb or stayed in bed even as another day passes? Is the enemy coming against you and you want to deny it? Maybe you want to minimize it, make it a physical or natural problem. If you're in this particular spiritual or physical night, don't miss the rooster crowing. Don't miss the voice of the Lord calling you to come forth. It is time. A new day is dawning. Have courage because you can trust the one who died for you. He had a terrible day that came from a very, very sleepless, dark night of the soul that led him to the most difficult day of his life. And then he went into another night and he rose. And we are so thankful that he rose. So, spiritual twilight is very nebulous. This is not an excuse to ignore it or explain it away. So, it's either a time of rest, it's either a sabbatical, which is a time of obscurity, it's a time of repose or reflection, or reordering, recentering, or maybe repositioning. If not that, it may be a dark night of the soul. This is a time of trial, tribulation, of testing of one's faith as purifying process. So is God calling you forth as he did with Lazarus? Have you been in the tomb too long? Are you refusing to come forth? So even if we have given our lives to the Lord, even if we have said, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need you to live in me. And I say, I've given him my life. What I want you to think about though, is as you are living your life, there are things you're saying no to God about. What are you saying no to him about? He wants our lives completely. So many times I remind myself that I wanted God to come into my life. I'm glad he's in my life. I'm extremely, exceedingly thankful. And I thought he was the driver, but sometimes I have to realize that actually I want him to be the passenger. I like him along, but I like to drive. And maybe it's the other way around. Maybe I want God to do everything for me. And I need to come forth. Maybe I need to let down and and retract. Maybe I need to contract some with God in my life. Maybe I need to expand and move toward him in my life. So what are the things that God is having you do? Are you in a twilight right now? Are you in transition physically? Are you transitioning physically? Are you getting ready to have a baby? Are you going into a, a physical strain or trial that you have to take care of? Are you coming out of it? Are your your children growing up? Are you needing to change careers? Are you needing to re-examine your faith? Are you needing to come to terms with, with an ongoing, besetting sin that has run its course and needs to end? So what twilight are you in? Are you in the twilight that's leading you into a time of contraction where you are to reflect, where you are to maybe pursue a deeper relationship with God maybe with self, with others? Are you going through a trial, a test of faith? See, these spiritual nights and these spiritual days can be years. I had a, certainly a, about a two, two and a half year, very dark night of the soul, testing my faith tremendously. It was very painful. And at the end, I know I'm so much better because of it. And God revealed so many things to me that I would have never known if I would have not been willing to do that dark night of the soul. And then I have this really long day, which is my career. And when God led me through a twilight time, I went from having an, um, I was working in the world of fashion. I had a, a degree in fashion design and I needed to get a new career because I was not satisfied. I knew God had something more for me, but I didn't want to go back to school. So I had this twilight time in between leaving that career, being willing to go to school and doing the career as a psychotherapist. And so that twilight led me into my master's and this career. And this career has been a 23-year day. That is a long day. But God has been very good. And I've had to work on the also little nights and days within that career so that I don't burn out. So it's imperative as we are looking at twilight that you ask yourself, what twilight are you in? What are you saying no to God about? Are you not willing to end something that needs to end, even if it's good? Or are you not willing to start something that he's asking you to start? So I want to really encourage you to use twilight as we go in and out of our days physically, that you would be willing to transition in and out of these days and these nights, and that you would take advantage of the way that God has orchestrated the creation to work. You would take advantage, just as Jesus did, of twilight, and the way that he moved in and out of them. And that you would also be asking yourself what twilight you are in right now, and not fear whatever is coming, and not fear whatever needs to end. So again, we have spiritual twilight, and the way that you know when you're in spiritual twilight is that you feel you're in this nebulous time, and I don't want you to explain it away. I don't want you to blow right through it and ignore it. I want you to ask yourself, what is changing? Things look different to me. Somehow something is transitioning. And so then you ask yourself, am I going to take time and recognize this twilight? Am I going to meditate in this twilight and ask God for his direction and his guidance and truly let him have my life and whatever that way may be? So am I willing to, again, give him all of my life? And twilights, the natural twilights, are a great way to recognize I need to continue to give my life to God. So as I go into the afternoon twilight, I say, God, here's my life again, and I give it to you. And I move into my evening, and what does my evening have for me? And as I wake up in the morning twilight, I say again, God, here's my life, I give it to you. As I move through my day, that my day might honor you. So if this is a dark night of the soul You can know that the Lord is with you, and he will not leave you. He tells you that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, that we are not to be afraid, we are not to be discouraged. So if we are going into a darker time, something is ending that is really, really good, that I'm needing to do the grief and loss process, knowing that if something is ending, if the cycle of that is over, the season, the era, the phase is over, then God is always bringing Good things. And we are to look for those good things. So let the twilight guide you through your day. Let the twilight guide you into the night. And let the Lord be your shepherd truly. And let him be your guide. And honor the way that he has made you. And so I think that there are some very wonderful things that are coming for us this year. And so I really encourage you to use twilight to go in and out of your day and to recognize the Lord. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I look forward to talking to you next week.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.